Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome! Welcome! Hello, dear listener! Welcome! Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. We are happy that you have joined us um, uh, for another episode of the podcast. We're so thrilled. Uh, I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And um, this week, uh, yeah, this has been a bit of a week, um, but, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of... um, talk about some films try to keep it uh you know just try to give a little bit of a not a distraction i guess kind of a distraction um but we're always more of a bit of a distraction we're not exactly <laughs> on topic even this week but we, yeah. we 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 do have a a a show inspired by uh the the you know the this, holiday yeah, yeah the, exactly. and, uh, the, this time yeah the, this this the unofficial beginning of summer so that's excuse me. Um, so that's something. yeah. So at least we're, yeah, we're semi tied in. But yeah, maybe we can. There's a lot going on in the world that's really mm-hmm. hard to grapple with. Maybe we can be a distraction to that. We'll see. And, and we are happy. Yeah, but um, either way, we're uh, we're super thrilled that you uh, could come by and spend some time with us. And um, uh, what? Is, so um, have you been? What have you been up to, Ryan? Uh, watching wise, uh, what what like? What's the time of What's the time of year, year with the movies? Have you started your summer blockbusters yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, definitely. Like Star Wars movies and stuff around the 5th of May and a bunch of other stuff this weekend with the long weekend. Mm-hmm. S- some goofy things. Um, so, yes, summer blockbusters. <laughs> but I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to mix other stuff in too, which I, yeah, yeah. I think is yeah. going pretty good. Um, me and Jenny the other night watched for her birthday. We, we watched Joker and knives out, which she hadn't seen either. She picked that. Oh, one. wow. That double feature. I gave her a whole bunch of options. Cause I'm like, it's your birthday. Yeah. I don't have my heart set on any of these. And she's <laughs> that one. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's actually yeah. a good double feature. Cause knives out, really gets you over the joker which is a hard movie to- <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna say please tell me that was the order you watched him in. it was, yeah. <laughs> it, was. Yeah. it was and it 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 works in that order sure um, so i don't know she, she liked both of them a lot i mean they're, they're both really really good movies mm-hmm. although uh i think we all enjoyed knives out i don't know many people who saw that that didn't didn't enjoy themselves like whereas yeah. with joker your level of enjoyment is the spectrum is wide when we talked about the show back at the end and then or whether whether you can like it and even enjoy it at all is there's is a legit question with that movie so 
But sure. she, well, like she said, she's like, wow, this really, this really pulls you in right away. And I was like, <laughs> it does good. I'm glad you're rolling with the vibe of the thing. Cause it's, yeah. it's, if you don't, that's a, that's a long, long two hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did that. And, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Bill, uh, wrote earlier in the week. And I thought I would just bring this up since he wrote, and he didn't really write into the show. Him and I just chit chat about the stuff we talk about the, the show, which is really fun. Sometimes we do it on the show page and sometimes you just message mm-hmm. back and forth. But he asked me, he's like, um, it, it, he just came out and asked me, is Farscape good? It, everything's telling me it's good, but I, I, I don't think I've ever even heard of it. And I was like, <laughs> so I, I, I was like, oh yeah, it's so good, but it's so hard. It's fun. Farscape, you guys don't know, is a show around the turn of the century, basically late nineties. Yeah. Ish show. Ninety nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was had four seasons on sci fi. It was a, uh, it was shot in in uh, New Zealand, I believe, primarily. It, with new with Kiwi and Australian actors primarily. It featured it was a space adventure, you know, uh, American astronaut hero, pretty traditional heroic guy. Although Ben Browder, the guy who starred in it, really plays this dude like because he's he looks like the quarterback of the team. I mean, he is as leading man a leading man as you could, you're going to find, and yet he played the part in this very kind of a slightly wacky and off kilter way, which was really really appreciated because it's a wacky and off kilter show. It's got it was it was. Uh, primary production company behind it was Jim Henson Studios. Oh, they were really, really hip to show that they could do more than just, you know, hand puppets and stuff. So they they created all these the creatures and the makeup effects on the show, which are just off the hook good. Um, but the show is a little filmed in the warehouses out in the, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it has that it has that very uh, old school. And I say old school, meaning, you know, back 20 years ago, sort of uh, Doctor Who sort of budget limitations. Modern mm-hmm. Doctor Who is just as cheap and terrible as any old Doctor Who, but it's cheap and terrible in a big digital way. It's cheap and terrible with the access to Adobe Premiere and Final Cut Pro <laughs> and stuff. There's a lot of <laughs> space effects and stuff in Sparscape. It's a space adventure, but it it... It, it is it's just on the cheap side and doctor who's not a bad barometer as to whether you would like it or not although it's not it isn't doctor who at all but it 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 has that same sense that same zaniness and that same sort of weird sense of humor dark sense of humor like it it's got all that sort of going for it it's got a little uh, firefly in it as well and and it's just, it's really, really good. It's b- better than the sum of its parts. And if you're a sci-fi fan like Bill, I know Bill is, and you haven't seen it, then I just thought this is, it's not related to anything we're talking about today, but it's my chance <laughs> to give it the full-throated, you know, endorsement. The show that replaced it on sci-fi was the Ron Moore's remake of Battlestar Galactica, which also ran four seasons. And those two shows were the best thing that was that have ever been on Sci-Fi Network, without yeah. without doubt. They are totally different from each other, but but they, but they are so good. And it it's it's like 
I was always curious to me, why did they cancel Farscape? Although they canceled it and then they gave it its own little two-part miniseries to wrap it up, which is so great. That's That finale is fantastic. And they did something similar with 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 uh galactica they canceled it with when it when what the creators wanted was to have a couple more seasons to go but they canceled it with the season to go so that at least they could get it all in there squeeze it all in as if you will so but why why did sci-fi i mean i know they were expensive Mm -hmm. per the ratings they were getting but why did they cancel the best things that were ever on their show uh, on their network ever because they're stupid. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason, because why would you do it? I don't understand. You can't, it, shows can't go on forever. Actors get richer and things get, you know. Yeah. It, but both of those were canceled, both hoping really just for one more season. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. they were both cut short by the network who never produced anything. It's been 20 years and they haven't produced anything even remotely as good as either of them. In all right. this time, I mean, Galactica was, you know, had all the power of NBC Studios behind it, so it was a little bit bigger deal mm -hmm. for sure. But Farscape is really clever, really goofy, really characters that that even though they they are, can be very annoying, really get under your skin. You really start to care about them, and it's the show's surprising. It goes through. Lots of surprising stuff, and I'm I'm very impressed with it. And I recommend everybody who maybe is yearning for that kind of thing because you got the show that only had one season in high definition. It had three where it's squared off and looks kind of old and fuzzy, and you have to just mm -hmm. sort of tolerate that. These days, when you're watching Stranger Things and Mandalorian or whatever, you're very spoiled in terms of what we get visually. Yeah. And this, this is, you have to kind of go back to another time where it was, what was not like that, but. Right. But. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, slight tangent, and this is something that you and I did not talk about, uh, but I just was curious if you'd um, seen the uh, new trailer for uh, the Willow, for Willow series. For the Willow. Uh, I watched it without the volume. <laughs> okay. You know, like it came across yeah. my phone, but I was sitting there at work. And so I kind of yeah. watched it. I kind of let it roll, but because I was like, well, this is interesting. But I just, yeah. uh, I, so I'm yeah. not sure what they're, what the premise of the show is, but the visuals look nice, but I, it's tough, man. With, with House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power coming out like exactly the same time, it's going to be tough for another fantasy, a lesser fantasy, frankly, to feel anywhere near momentous enough but i nevertheless it's disney's dime yes you know so i'm excited and and those of you who didn't like the the solo story here's something positive that came out of it because it, it this really germinated there when disney brought ron howard on to sort of finish up that project uh he's always wanted to mm -hmm. continue willow but i just know i know a little bit about where willow is supposed to go as a story i don't know if they're following any of that but it's it's not it's just really different than what you think and and mm. and I, I think so i don't think all those things that you really that you remember so fondly of willow willow's such a 
I mean, I, I think of it very fondly. I was a cynical teenager in 1988 when it came out, mm-hmm. but I really, really liked it. I just, there wasn't a big scale fantasy like that. There've been several attempts at them, but I thought, well, here it is. This is really, this is as big a summer blockbuster as you could have created in this style at that time. Right. But the show doesn't look like that's what it's going to be at all. So what is it going to be? Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, we, we talked I, I about it in the Michael Mann episode, right? They made a movie of, of Miami Vice, but was it anything right. like Miami Vice? Did it provide anything that the Miami Vice fans wanted? And then how it's really hard. Can you just judge it on its own then? Yeah. We tried to do that, but it, this, this can be something different. So I, it's, I don't know. What'd you think? Did you yeah, watch well, it with the sound on? Yeah. Yeah. I watched, <laughs> I watched it a couple of times. So, you know, um, one of the things that, you know, um, that struck me about it is, you know, th- that first that the, the movie had was so much fun and had had an element of whimsy to it. You know, like it was just it was magical and and and, you know, but like mistakes were made and, you know, because Willow wasn't a very good sorcerer. And, exactly. You know, Mad Mardigan and wasn't a very good hero. Yeah, uh, the I, little the Kevin Pollock and Rick Overton were yeah. stand up comedians basically. I mean, yeah. it was a noisy but very goofy and fun film. Yeah, and, and this feels a little bit more self serious, like yeah. it's taking itself a little bit more seriously. And, and I don't know if that it, you know it, it it feels like I don't know it feels like oh it's Mandalorian but with a <laughs> with Warwick Davis um so uh, so, so we'll I, I you know you know it's, yeah sure I'll, Willow I'll wasn't even it. a very good farmer right yeah, right because like, he wanted I mean, to be no they're really you I mean that that sort of hits the nail on the head these disparate little groups of people you know finn rizel turned out to be a badass but but mostly she's like a goat and a crow yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's a goofy film it really is but in a but in a great way punctuated by really great mm-hmm. stunt based action sequences and things like that and fun creatures and yeah so I, where's the it. fun is a good yeah. question but i i can just tell you that the the story was going to continue in a really unexpected in unexpected ways. They they had they made sure to make that movie a, a closed loop of a story, you know. Yeah. But they mm-hmm. they really did have plans for what might happen later. So sure, like, I mean the, the the movie did a good ver- get, did a good job of 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 universe building. Um, you know, we we understood that that you know fantasy world you know we got that oh this is a world of magic and um you know and beasts and little tiny stand-up comics and but stuff. once you've so, done away with the villains and the tyrannical empire and all that stuff where does the mm-hmm. threat come from it, it comes from within and that's right. a different kind of storytelling so we'll just see i i'm very curious i'm not i'm excited for it i mean i don't my time's not yeah. so precious i'll watch it Oh yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, I, I'll watch it. It's just, it's like, okay, well, that was. Um, it was Willow on our fantasy list, eighties fantasy, number two, right? We, we ranked that be, really yeah, high. I, yeah, and I, I know we rated it very high. I, I just, um, I, I mean, you, you, you know, the rip, the critics ripping on it at the time were like, you know, it's just like Star Wars, but it's not as good, and that is a fair. It is very structurally like that. It rips mm-hmm. off a lot of ideas from The Hobbit, but it really dumbs them down. 
and, and I that's fair too. But yeah. it's a it's just a rollicking adventure tale with sword fighting and dragons. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I that was my take on it at the time, and it's and the again the New Zealand photography and the the music and everything. I mean, it, if you know, if you're a kid and you can't get swept away by that, then yeah. Because there was nothing and, like that on that scale no. at that time. There was legend, and there were some really amazing fantasies. But Will, right. Willow was the fantasy for everybody. That's what I loved about it. Oh, and hopefully we'll get some Joanne Wally. Do we know if she's in this? I um... man, have you seen her yeah. lately? No, I have not. She I, I, well, like, no, I de- she still looks like a million bucks. I can't. Yeah, no, it. you know what? I did. See, I did see her in that Val Kilmer and that and that Val Kilmer documentary. She did an interview as part of that. Well, because she's still involved in his life, because they, you know, they had kids together. So sure. she's she's in the documentary, um, uh, in places and stuff. I haven't uh, seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, but yeah, she. But she's great. She was on the Borgias, which I guess that's all getting close to ten years ago now. But she's fantastic on that show. So she's a very oh good yeah, still. and yeah, boy, hard. She's she she was so um, so wonderful. Um, in that film, well, anywho, I a, loved her. It's sort of a well, yeah. You fall in love with her right away. Yeah, you fall, like yeah, you fall in love like, with her. Yeah, just like you're supposed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, but it's not a super well written role, as we pointed out. It's her sort right. of natural charisma and their natural chemistry make up for a lot in that film. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, thanks for letting me throw that curveball at you. No, no, cool. uh, I just Willow. popped in my head. Um, so of course we, uh, lost a giant of, um, of the cinema this past week, uh, also, um, with, uh, with Ray Liotta passing, yeah. um, you know, we've talked about Ray Liotta. We talked about many movies of Ray Liotta and within talking about those movies, we always talk about how Ray Liotta is, you know, Ray Liotta, he's, he's solid. He's, you know, brings it and he's always, you know, always, <laughs> you know, he's always, amp- you know, just notches everything up. Uh, so to, to lose him and lose him only at the age of uh, what did we lose him at? Uh, 67. 60, yeah. 67. And um, I was stunned to hear that he was that old. Yeah. Cause he I still think, looks great. Um, I mean, it just, that would surprise me. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. He was born in 54, I guess. Um, yeah, Ray Liotta. I, it's hard to say. It's hard to know where to start with him. I we, I wrote the thing up on the website, and and it's it. You know, there's a couple of things. His signature things. We'll let's start with those. The yeah. The, that's when he's looking at you. Those blue eyes. You know, and his sort of dark hair and complexion, and that intensity with which he approached everything was really, really. It was really, really intense. Like if that's what was called for, you totally had the right guy. And that semi out of control, maniacal laugh that he has, whether he's playing a good guy or a bad guy, that laugh is one of a kind. (laughs) And it comes from, it feels artificial to some degree, but because he has spent a whole career acting that way, there's a great scene in, um, uh shoot i had it in my head and then i just forgot it it's it's a film with uh 
James Gandolfini and Brad Pitt's in it. It's just a crime drama, like a lot of the things that he's in. Um, but he plays this guy, Marky. I remember that. <laughs> His character's name's Marky. He was this low-life gangster who won one bold, drunken, brave moment in his past, put on a ski mask and robbed his fellow mobsters poker game, which had tons of money there. And they're all, you know, when they find that guy, they're going to kill him. And then some years later, he's, they're all sitting around drinking and laughing and he admits that he did it. And, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's just laughing like it's funny and we're all okay. But then there's this, you know, the next day, I was like, okay, now... That was pretty funny, but that's it. Now, the next time something like this happens, you're dead. You know that, right? And he's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> well, somebody else does it by coincidence, and this is how the story plays out. It's a pretty decent – it's a dark movie, but it's a pretty decent movie. Killing Them Softly. Thank is you, that Killing one, Them yeah. Softly. It's, I mean, a lot of people hate it, so I hate to say it's great, but it – it does show the sort of incompetence of the this sort of crime world. You know, Gandolfini plays a hitman who shows up to take care of somebody and what plays video games, watches TV, like just has like he's he didn't know this until he showed up to do this job, but he somewhere on his last job just killed the last person he's capable of killing. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he procrastinates and he like just he thinks eventually he'll work his way up to it but he never does he just goes home it it's so the film it is an exercise in not paying off these sort of crime drama cinematic cliches that we're used to um there's surprise sudden deaths in it and it just everything goes haywire and stuff but but i i am an admirer of that movie partly because ray is fantastic in it um that scene, because it's in two parts. It's him telling the story of him doing the thing, and then him telling the story of com confessing at the, which are all shown in flashback and stuff. And so it's it's just him taking the stage for this whole extended sequence, and it's just awesome. Wow. Um, and then later yeah. it's Gandolfini's movie, and later it's Brad Pitt's movie, and you, you don't really have anybody to glom onto in it, but good one. Sure. And a great late period performance by him you know my favorite movie of his and it's just great because after uh something wild where he <laughs> he really his you know he'd been on a soap opera and he'd done a bunch of stuff out east and mm -hmm. then when he moved west he kind of he the way he tells it he had started from scratch basically as an actor he had to audition and he had to go back take classes he tried to get himself better all that until uh something wild uh kind of muscled his way into the audition process for that and because one of his teachers said are you up for this well, he'd never heard of it so he he got whoever his people were at the time to at least get him a reading which cha changed that movie i mean i i suppose there's other people who could have done that role but it, it's it's hard to imagine a different person in that part like that Goodfellas and some of these roles that he's had that are iconic. I, the one to me where it's like that the 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 whole turn of the movie. It's not the whole movie, but the whole turn of the movie is because of him, and it's yeah. it, it's just it's stunning to see. But he knew I'm going to play the same asshole. I'm going to be choking people to death for like for the rest of my career unless I do something different. 
right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he held out for this movie that they didn't really want him with Tom Hulse called Dominic and Eugene. It's by far my favorite Ray Liotta performance. I, he, he's, it's a really motivated actor. They're these brothers. The film is this weird, quiet slice of life drama. That's not at all what you would think. He's still that intense. I'm going to go kick your ass. Cause you were mean to my brother type of guy. Like he's still Ray Liotta and he's not miscast in it or anything, but He's a good guy that we're all on his side, and and if if that's not an easy movie to catch, but Dominic and Eugene, I can't recommend that high enough. Obviously, Goodfellas is iconic. I think he's fun, and um, you know all those movies where he's where there's all these moments in his career where he they're walking along doing something, and then he stops and starts telling you how it is. This, this, yeah, yeah. There's a ton of moments like this in his career. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely Like in Article right. 99, in Operation Dumbo Drop, there's just a whole bunch of them. And I love those moments. <laughs> he's so he's so great in those moments. Um, I, people love him in Field of Dreams. I have a, I still, I hate, I just say it, but if we're going to eulogize you honestly, mate, playing shoeless joe jackson the way he does is the equivalent of playing churchill with a french accent i i still can't it's not right Mm -hmm. (laughs) his natural charisma comes across which it has to but i just like do you do you know anything about the man you know he was just alive not that long ago it's not like you know you're not you're not playing somebody from the Roman Empire or something so (laughs) that was kind of annoying to me because that's well most people's that what they know of that person in real life is from that movie. Right. So I, that sort of annoys me, but he's still, I mean, he's still fun in it. His, you know, the, the maniacal laugh, right. When he says the thing about, uh, uh, what's his face wanted to come along, but we all thought he was a jerk. So we didn't, we didn't tell him where it was or whatever. And he started, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, it, He's great. I mean, he's great. He's yeah. he's he he did it. I don't. I I'm sad he's gone, but I don't feel too bad for him because he did it. Look what's there. It's 120 plus screen performances, and I mean that that that's the dream that every actor has to leave a legacy like that behind. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. So All he told didn't do with mountains his, yeah. and mountains of great material, but he just. He stuck with it and he made his presence felt in every project he was a part of. And I, you know, yeah. You got, you, yeah. When you cast Ray Liotta in something, you're going to get Rayleigh a a version of Ray Liotta pretty much. And, and that's not a bad thing. What, you know, what, yeah. Cause he, what he brings to a, um, what he brings to a role, what he brings to a story um yeah it, it's it's that that yeah that natural um even even in his most cuddliest roles there's a menacing quality to him that, there's a little uh, bit there's a little yeah, bit i mean um, there is a little bit so. there are there are a few places where that doesn't happen surprisingly in blow uh he, right he's really great guy in that like a really sort of sad great guy and there's no sense that this guy's responsible for any of the other chaos that we're that we're feeling going on in the rest of that film mm-hmm. um that's a really good performance that i think a lot of people don't think about um but yeah i mean yes 
Yes. There's, yeah. there's, there's danger in him and that's exciting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's, it, you uh, know, it's exciting. What good guy or bad guy or, or if, if put best to best use, he's was a protagonist who had a lot of, who had a, a healthy dose of bad guy in him. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. in Narc, like in, like in Goodfellas, those sorts of roles, like in Copland. That's, um, yeah. Uh, it's we'll miss him so that's yep. a shout out to Ray. you uh yeah ray liotta it, yeah great body of work uh big 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 shock i mean it is it's just a big surprise that you know that we uh that we lost him and and hopefully you know it's undetermined how he died yet as far as i know um well but they hopefully, have, yeah, yeah people are speculating but but it, it but, doesn't yeah. sound like it's any huge thing. It sounds like it's a, yeah. you know, a thing as 67 it's... is pretty young actually, but it is old yeah. enough to die of heart disease and various yeah. things that kill you when you're older. And so we'll see, but he um, was in the middle yeah. of working. He was still chugging along, you know? Yeah. 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 I was looking at it. He has uh, four projects that, um, that were Ooh. either, that were either uh, in pro- in production or in post production. So, uh, what is it? Is it Heartbreakers? Is that the movie with uh, that he's in? He's fantastic in that yeah. too. Yeah, I was just looking at that one. Yeah, yeah uh, so he's he was really cool, and uh, by all accounts, he was because uh, he was uh, not a dangerous guy in real life. He was a kind of a pro's pro, and he was a guy who would on set if there were problems who would step up he was a guy who would talk to other actors about like not being late and stuff and just be be the dude who was joel you come across these people all the time you you to some degree you are this person but that that whole hey you know you know the bravery to hey we're going to talk we're going to work this out we're going to talk about this that that's yeah he i mean uh, uh yeah i don't know that yeah, obviously, I don't, I, d- I didn't know the man, but there, you know, he comes across as a guy who this is his profession. He is a craftsman, um, takes takes the you know the the job of performing seriously enough, um, and um, and understands that uh, within the art, you still have to you still have to collaborate. You still have to be. Uh, it's still a workplace. Um, and uh yeah by all by all accounts he was that kind of guy that was just he was a pro's pro it makes sense um, you, you don't tend to go on forever in that way no. by being a big jerk it right really, you know that's not to say that they you know it's for ages they don't exile you necessarily for that for bad mm-hmm. behavior but you just the the amount of directors who used him in multiple things and you know that sort of thing it's like you could just kind of tell yeah. They, they liked having him around. Yeah. You couldn't put him in just anything, but, you know, even though he says, well, he says to him, it's just make believe, you know, he's not a, uh, he's not a method actor. He doesn't stay in character between takes or anything like that. But because, and he said that he does that because he feels like that. He feels like if you bring too much of yourself to something, you limit yourself. Um, yeah. Or at least, you know, speaking for himself, he felt that way. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's an easy going acting philosophy to be around on a long project. I'll just say right. Right. <laughs> that's nice. It's, it's nice um, to play that way. I, yeah. You know, maybe not for everybody, but I think that's cool. 
Um, yeah. So Ray Liotta, you will be missed. Thank you for um, all your amazing, your the amazing body of work. Yeah. So, um, uh, so today um, we're not. We have a, a, a chunk of movies. It, it is as we are recording this. Um, just in case you are listening to this weeks down the line, um, we are uh, uh, we are recording this on the Memorial Day weekend. And um, so we thought it would um, only be appropriate to talk about, um, uh, you know, Memorial Day is a is a day to remember and honor uh, those who have have fallen and died in service to this country. Um, uh, but of course, there's um, there's also the. Uh, uh, the consequences of of serving for this country uh, it can can result in post traumatic stress disorder and uh, depression and all sorts of all sorts of things that it, you know for those who return home alive you 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 can you can return home but you can return home forever changed um, and we thought that it would be nice to highlight some films that 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 talk about this uh that talk about the the idea of of um coming home from uh from war uh, and there, trying to we wanted to back do a to show the home front we want to do a show about soldiers for sure yeah and but we want to do a different kind of set of movies and there are there's a you know there's a good handful of these but there aren't as many as I thought as I worked through all the ones that I was super familiar with. Um, right. Th- there's big gaps in time where we don't really deal with it. Probably because we don't, for a long time there, we didn't have a lot of wars. You know what I mean? Right. We'll talk right. a little bit about that at the end of the show. But but yeah, we, we understand the distinction between Memorial Day where you really where it really is about the fallen warriors who paid the ultimate price fighting for our country and what that means. And I believe that's touched on, I, even though these films are, and I think films are sort of necessarily about the survivors of that. I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think you can tell a story about a, uh, you can certainly show sacrifice and we've seen a lot of that in film, but though, but that's showing the war. These movies are about what happens to people after the war. They're almost entirely about that. And Mm -hmm. so they're more, it's more of a veterans day themed show, but we, and we, we do understand the distinction, you know, veterans is the people who thought and are still around and deserve, deserve your respect while they're here. Memorial Day is for the people who fell and and to be remembered. We're going to do a little bit of both and we hope that you we hope that everybody sort of is cool with that to us doing yeah. it that way cuz I think I do think these I do think these films memorialize people. You know, I really do think that's a big part of each of them one way or another. And there's it's an interesting group, but they're not all they're not all heavy dramas. Some of there's thrillers and a couple of murder mysteries here, and there's mm-hmm. you know, but they're all about. They really are about being a soldier and the the after effects of that. Uh, to every single one, I think pretty much is ultimately about that because that's that's who's left to memorialize really. All of us truly, but but more than anyone, the the 
people who lived alongside the fallen who, uh, who sort of carry that spirit with them later in yeah. life and the cost that they pay and continue to pay for that. So that's the list. We've got mm-hmm. 10 movies. We're going to go through them in chronological order. And that's that. Yeah, first up, I mean, uh, obviously, also, you know, uh, the Vietnam War was the, you know, that was the first you know that uh, our soldiers who returned home from Vietnam weren't uh, viewed as the the you know the conquering heroes that uh, that their parents were when they returned home from uh, World War II, um, and so uh, we had a lot of the, the, after World Vietnam War II was that, was won in a big bright yeah, and flash it was like, of mm, light. Haha, we win. And, yeah, and. Vietnam ended because American people and the the just lost their taste for being able to tolerate it anymore. So it was right. It was a very different thing, and 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 certainly there uh, post traumatic stress and all that was certainly um, I think suffered by anyone who'd been through war, specifically combat. You know, they called it shell shock back in the day. There's a great, yeah, yeah. There's a great George Carlin routine. It says, it's, you should probably still call it shell shock. That sounds awful. You know, some of the way we water down our language, even if it, even if we start, make it more descriptive and more appropriate and, right. and cast a wider net with it. It's true that we do tend to, there's sometimes that first idea is simple and harsh and a bleh, shell shock. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. something that's bad that you'd need to get help for, you know. <laughs> right. Um, right. Um, and one of the first movies to deal with that is uh, is a movie from 1977 um, with Henry Winkler and Sally Field, an uh, uh, early Sally Field film uh, yeah. called he- called Heroes. There's a couple of movies here that go together. Yeah. Coming Home by Hal Ashby, which was nominated for Oscars and was very, very acclaimed starred. Yeah. Yeah. Starred some super heavy hitter actors at the time, but I was surprised. I thought coming home, I thought heroes came after it came the year before, which is amazing. It's really was, I don't want to say it was the first movie to deal with Vietnam, but it was really the first movie to really deal with it. It was, that was not a subject to deal with the veterans to deal with what it was like trying to come right, i mean the only other yeah. one that there was was probably green berets which was an absurd propaganda film that john wayne did uh, which admittedly has that pretty cool theme song but but is like a it's like a we're fighting for america it's like you just sort of missed the whole point of vietnam it, you watch it now and it is absurdly wrong-headed mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <laughs> tonally how it treats that war and it was made right as the war was going on so that's just bonkers but yeah to dealing with veterans dealing with veteran after effects heroes was the first one which is kind of amazing because i got a real soft spot in my heart for heroes um henry winkler definitely sally field uh in 1977 second movie in 77 where sally field plays a runaway bride Smokey and the bandit obviously was the right um yeah <laughs> Winkler Winkler's outstanding in it. Wow, he's good in this movie. He's he plays this really 
Well, it's a Robin Williams-esque performance where he's just sort of off the hook, positive and driven, and he never shuts up, and he's always got an agenda, and he's got a plan for the future, and boom, ba boom, ba boom, and the amount of energy you scene to scene that he had to expound to play this guy, his escape from the the mental hospital that he's in at the beginning of the movie is mm-hmm. a delightful, almost. Like, it's a mad, mad world sort of foot chase that's just full of craziness and weirdness. And it's a road movie. He's going from New York, where he's been hospitalized, rightly so, as we find out as the movie goes on. Um, he Going all the way to California, his goal is to start a worm farm <laughs> with, his, yep. uh, with his fellow soldiers, and that that's going to be... That's going to be their legacy and their way forward in this brave new world. And he's an he's an absurdly positive guy, but he's he's obviously he's repressing a lot of horror as well. And yeah. and the cool thing about the movie is that we don't really experience much of that until we do. So it really has the feel of a of a of a buddy comedy road trip film, you know. Sally Field and him, he bumps into her somehow and they travel together for a while and then they just sort of stay together. Uh, somewhere, I think it's in, I don't know where, somewhere halfway through America, he hooks up with one of his buddies from his platoon, uh, played by Harrison Ford, who's this guy who he built this race car. And he's like, yeah, yeah. and once he sees his craziest guy in the platoon show up, He's like, this is the this all this is all gonna work. Yeah. You're gonna drive the car, not me. And there's these race sequences, which if you like, it's like a I think the car is a I want to say it's a Camaro, and it's and like, like yeah, and it's dirt oval racings, which is a really exciting, messy, chaotic thing to watch, and the film really captures that really really great, and. And Ford too is playing a really he's playing a real a comedic character, to be fair. He's got this weird hat that he wears. Uh but <laughs> but there but there's something off about him too. It's hard to explain, but those relationships, that section of the film is really, really delightful. Just because the, there's a third person who comes into the movie all of a sudden and it shakes things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, and like I said, the racing, it just becomes a racing movie for a while. It does have that sort of randomness to it. Right. Uh, Fields character really comes to care for him. And, and, and it, it seems like it's one of those films where it's like every, you know, this guy's got pretty modest dreams and it, everybody seems to want to dash them for one reason or another. And, um, both of these films feature women who were left out of this particular conflict who basically through kindness and empathy help people to confront difficult things and and help them heal to some degree. Coming home is a little more complicated because it's because she does do that for somebody but she's who they grow very close, uh, her, uh, Jane Fonda in coming home, Jane Fonda. We talked about her when we were talking about nine to five, a couple weeks back, nine to five exists. Cause Jane Fonda wanted to tell a story with some integrity. It didn't matter yeah. that it was a comedy or whatever, but she wanted to tell a story about these working class women in the, you know, in all the office towers in America. It was her 
vision, even though she didn't really do much of it. And as a producer, she was kind of stood back and let it happen, mm-hmm. you know, showed up on set and was an actor. wasn't uh, telling everybody what to do kind of thing. Same here. She wanted to tell the story uh, kind of of all of it. She wanted to tell the story of these guys who were injured, who came back. Um, it's a, it's a VA hospital is where the main action of the story takes place where everybody's, you know, uh, has been disabled, some people rather severely. Um, but everybody's sort of rehabbing and finding a way to work with that. There's a big wheelchair chase in the middle of it, which is a fun, weird, crazy Mm -hmm. scene. And, uh, but she's married to a guy who's just about to go off to, um, war played by Bruce Dern. And she, when he leaves, she's kind of like, she's living with him in the base, you know, and they let her stay there because her husband's fighting in the war, of course, but she has no, she's left with no purpose and she gravitates to this VA hospital out of kindness and stuff. And there's another woman, I can't remember who plays the, I can't remember who, it's because she's important. Robert Carradine plays her brother. That's how we'll figure out who these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, characters Penelope are. Milford. Penelope Milford as 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 Vi. A Meryl Streep auditioned for that role, and they really wanted her, but she agreed to. And, but she agreed to do a play. But Penelope's mm-hmm. really really good in it. It that the the two women sort of looking out for each other. It's it's kind of neat. It's a weird movie. Hal Ashby, it's hard to explain what a Hal Ashby film is, you know. Harold and Maude, if you haven't seen one, there's a there's this there's a randomness to it, you know. The film mm-hmm. uh, Coming Home was shot by Her- Herman Wexler, who shoots this in this very gauzy sort of style, so the movie feels older than it even is. But there's this random truth to it. You know, the film starts out with this scene where these actual Vietnam vets are playing billiards and talking about, they're having a philosophical debate about be, being able to, being able or not being able to admit that what that, that some of the things you might have done in Vietnam were bad. Right. And, and that maybe the whole thing was bad. And it, 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 it it's it's improved by these actual veterans. It's really I mean, there's nothing quite like it in film. And John Voight is there, and he was supposed to interact with them, but he just they took just care of it. Go. And yeah. out of respect, he's like, I'm gonna kind of not actor my way into this. This is happening on its own. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his <laughs> presence is felt in the scene, but his his sort of character opinion about this stuff when these guys are actually talking about this who know what they're talking about it's kind of neat it's my favorite john voight performance probably of all time sure yeah uh yeah he and john's obviously he's a big time actor and he's been really really memorable in tons of things but and this guy too it kind of goes through this thing where it's a bit of a cheat when we meet him. He's pissed at everything. He's yelling at everybody. He's breaking stuff. He's a total jerk. And, and she sort of helps him along Fonda's character. And eventually they have an affair and that affair causes a lot of pain, as you can imagine by the end of the film. But it's a, it's a really good movie. I reacquainted myself with it today. I'd seen it a long time ago, but I, 
I needed to watch it again, you know what I mean? Because if you'd asked me this morning, I'd have said, oh, I actually like Heroes better. You know, it's a little subtler. Right. It, it doesn't have all the sort of preachiness. The whole thing's not about war. War's there living inside this guy, and that's that's the thing. But I like that about it. But after this, I'm kind of like, no, it is sort of the A-list crew that really got this type of story right when you watch something like deer hunter that came out in the same year as 78 won the oscar for best picture in the same year although all the acting awards went to the people in coming home which is interesting um it deer hunter is about written by people who didn't go to war directed by people who didn't go to the war like it they're Mm -hmm. you know what i mean uh, even if they don't have big roles, coming home is populated by Vietnam veterans. They're in everywhere in the film at all times. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that film is, that's a tough one. It's lots of neat trivia about it. You know, uh, Bruce Stern, there's a confrontation scene with our three people at the end and Dern for one of the takes just started ripping on them personally. (laughs) (laughs) They've all known each other. They're all, they're all actors, studio actors, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So when we're talking about method acting, here's three big ones, basically, at least, especially at that time. And so he kind of knew them and what their strengths and weaknesses were. He knew me bad things that they'd done in their lives. And he just, one whole take was just him yelling at them. And then when they did the next take, you know, that he went back to the script or whatever. <laughs> uh, Bruce Stern's an interesting cat. That's all I can say. And, and sure. I don't know. I, that's a good, it's hard. I'm, I'm not, uh, Joel, you've seen it. I'm not describing it very well, or am I? It's hard because you can't just, here's well, the plot, it, you know. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it really, um, what the reason why coming home uh, resonates, it still resonates. It's why it won the, like you said, it won the acting awards and stuff. It's because it is uh, it really handles the, um, the trauma or, or the, you know, th- that, that what now, what am I supposed to do now? I'm not, you know, uh, element yeah. uh, very honestly, very, um, um, and and w- with a with a good deal of respect, uh, I mean, uh, it's it, it's um, it it never loses it it touch of the tender moments, I guess. Right. Yeah. Which is um, a, which is amazing for a film like that. And yeah, Fonda's character is let be. She doesn't have an agenda. Her first day when she shows up to the hospital, she looks like one of the astronaut wives from Apollo thirteen. Like she's got this teal. Like she just and her hair is all kind of beehived and stuff, and I mean she just look like you don't belong anywhere here in this random messy place. You're in your like pristine right. little '60s off the rack outfit. It, it doesn't, it, and it, but she doesn't. She doesn't play some naive idiot who who has to be taught a lesson about any of this either. She's already has it within her to care and just does that naturally and everything sort of takes its course. The bravery of doing that, you know, we talked about the three monkeys a couple weeks back, the bravery to let humanity happen on screen and to trust that it will happen without you laying out a precise agenda like that. That is 
absolute, truly a lost art in cinema. And Ashby, he's a guy we don't talk about very much. Maybe we'll do a whole show on him. I have all of his movies here, it turns out. I'm not missing a single one. <laughs> he He's special because he tell, that's how he tells stories. And... And everybody was along for the ride in a great day. And if anything, yeah. when Dern shows up, you know, he kind of starts the movie, he shows up in the middle in a pretty amazing scene, and then he really takes charge at the end because he's got a, a tons of stuff going on with him. His sort of formalism is a harsh break in this sort of everything's happened. And a shout out too to uh, Robert Carradine. Boy, is he heartbreakingly good in this. I don't think I've yeah. seen him any better in anything. And I I, I like him in this era. His sort of, you know, it's sort of Revenge of the Nerds sort of ruined him. <laughs> right. Well, it did. I, right. I don't mean to be well, no, mean about no, it. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I don't, you know, it didn't ruin Anthony ago. Edwards, but it, it ruined Robert Carradine forever because he was a guy who could do... He was a guy who could do the unexpected and could do some kind of amazing things, and and he's kind of just a joke now, and that's a shame. So. Right. You know, well, yeah, because like we talked about weeks ago with Big Red One, um, you know, he's, he's spectacular in that. and But yeah. yet, you you know, watching it as someone our age, <laughs> you're like, oh, hey, that's, uh, that's, that's our from It's from Revenge of the Nerds. Um, you know, we there we're gonna talk about the park is mine. <clears throat> That's a, a different little bit. sort of switch, but similar yeah. somewhat similar sorts of things going on. Right. Um the park is mine to me, the park is uh, the park is mine is sort of like um I mean it has that because you know, we're not gonna talk about like the original first blood, which deals with post you know with coming home from vietnam but in a much more violent different uh way um we talk about first blood a lot so we'll probably talk about it again yeah. but yeah it's not really on this list even though we've it, said it before be. i mean what yeah. is first blood it, it's 1982 so it's not an it, it is an 80s movie obviously but it isn't an 80s movie it, it the 80s started mm -hmm. when Michael Jackson's Thriller came out. That's what I always say, which was the end of 82. And after that, the 70s were really gone. There were a couple, yeah. three years there where we were, you, you know, disco was gone, but you were still mm -hmm. sort of living in that organic place. And that's when First Blood came out. And First Blood doesn't end with, it does end with a big giant action sequence and a huge shoot 'em up but it also ends with a two-page yeah, monologue, uh, mental breakdown yeah. that our that our hero goes through, and that the, so in that way it very it is very much a a, a, a post war film. I mean, it is yeah home front, but it's yeah one of the home front films. Yeah. The park is mine is kind of like well we're gonna do a TV movie version of yeah of First Blood. Basically, yeah. where where Tommy Lee Jones is going to take Although, over Central Park. Although, to be Park. fair, it it the movie was made by for HBO. It doesn't have commercials. Mm -hmm. It was shot on film, shot in widescreen. If you watch it today, it doesn't feel like a TV movie. It was not right. an ABC movie of the week where there's a stinger at the end of every six minutes, so you can go to commercial. Yeah, yeah. It, right, it's not that kind of thing at all. So I just want to make sure people know that. In fact, it's the first piece of original content that HBO produced. So it's. Oh, get out. Despite oh, well. its relative, you know, its mediocre 
quality rating as a film, it, it, that it is, puts it as a significant place in history. And it was a controversial enough film that it had a one home video release. It was never put out on DVD. You can catch it now, but it was, it was one of these things where, yeah, people remembered watching it on HBO, but where is it? What is it? It's gone. Only just recently to come back. I didn't see it at the time and back in 85 when it was new. So I just saw this again about three years ago for the first time. And I knew about its reputation, but it's mm-hmm. interesting. It is. It's, 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 it's Tommy Lee Jones plays a veteran who's, who snaps and takes over Central Park on his own. He's a, he's a former, uh, I can't remember if he's, I believe he's a former Green Beret who, yeah. um, who can't, he's one of these guys who can't walk into a room without a tactical plan about it. And because he's a New Yorker, he's, he has thought just instinctively how he would hold down Central Park uh, with a very small group of people. Turns out one in this case. And that's a pretty far-fetched idea. But the thing that's cool about the movie is it, Helen Shaver plays a, a reporter who's like super not into you know, who who really obviously has a like a sort of different view of the war and it than he does. Um Yafet Koto plays the cop who and Yafet's great in this film. He's maybe the yeah. best thing about the film. He plays a cop who just really thinks this shouldn't come this shouldn't be a shooting match. Like he's the guy who he's the smart, wise person who just wants to end this the smartest way possible. And and at every step has to hold off the higher ups from doing the batshit insane thing that will definitely lead to casualties. Um, that's fun to watch. It's like, it is like a sort of hostage negotiation, but, and it, it just, the it's a, you know, it's a mean place. Mm-hmm. The world's a mean place. The city's a mean, grumpy place. And the, it, the dude just suffers a lot of frustration and injustice and, just general rudeness and that's that's what makes him snap and the world continues to be an exploitive sort of ugly place even once the hostage situation starts happening and that part is rings really true there's things about it where i couldn't believe what i was seeing they bring in three quarters of the way through they bring in these assassin characters to take him out and they're both they're both southeast asian people which is has in insane racial overtones that the movie doesn't need at that point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that's the kind of movie we're talking about. And it's, it's like, they don't hide the Canadian license plates. They don't hide the maple leaf flags hanging in the background. It really is sort of <laughs> not New York, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've yeah. got some stock footage of Manhattan so that, you know, that's where it takes place, but it's super Toronto. If you know any, mm-hmm. You know, maybe a lot of Americans don't, and so the illusion was semi-maintained. I don't know, but it—I know Toronto a little, and it's like well, that's here's all the most that's, famous Toronto landmarks you could have put in this yep. movie. I mean, there is Toronto, eh? Yep. <laughs> so it's a, it's a goofy film, but right, it it's hard to dismiss entirely. Tommy Lee Jones, obviously. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I know he's kind of a star. I mean, he kicked around in all these 70s and 80s movies forever. But I, 
was he really? I mean, he wasn't really. That's mm-hmm. a guy who like sort of made the scene in the late 80s. He's about to finally yeah. be a guy where they put him in all the A-list movies. So they let him carry films on his own, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, he'd starred in stuff before, but he's been in a lot of high-profile stuff. So I don't, I don't mean to dismiss him, but like his whole career up till that point. But he just was a dude who was like, oh, that dude. And he was doing this right. movie and... Nate and Hayes and Eyes of Laura Mars, like it's just it, like weird stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he, sure, he had done he had done the uh, a TV movie of Cat on the Hot Tin Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. He's good man. Uh, yeah, and he was that uh, you know, and obviously he had done Coal Miner's Daughter. Right, right, right. That um, but, probably but right. most famously Coal Miner's Daughter. But you're I right. I mean, you look at he's just kind of kicking around, doing doing projects, doing doing some films, and and. Um, there's a dude who was almost then, in his fifties when he became a sort of A-list star. Yeah, even though he'd been was, a very, very busy actor up until that point. Yeah, yeah, constantly working. But then you get, um, I mean, he did. Uh, a, he was uh, Paul in Billy Joel's Piano Man music video short in '85, <laughs> uh, the real estate novelist. But he then he did Lonesome Dove, and then you know, and then that led to things like. JFK and the fugitive and uh you know yeah so then then that's when things really and I, I feel like he's been like a top flight guy ever since. We got another yeah. Tommy Lee Jones movie coming up on much much right. much subtler and and thoughtful film than this one. <laughs> but I, I will say like we uh I will <laughs> we don't normally you know talk about review except for the episode where we reviewed you know, really looked at uh, under quote unquote underrated films, right. but um, <laughs> every viewer here just titles it. If Tommy Lee says the park is his, well, then the park is his. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm like, that's a great title for a review. <laughs> well, even the name of the title is feels exploitative. The park is mine. Yeah. That's not the a park is mine. That's, that's straight to the point, but it, it is, it's, it, that's not a, poetic title you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's so it's a silly movie but but there's i don't know you've seen it so you, joel you know what i'm talking about i think you had to have seen it to kind of know what i'm getting at there's something yeah. more to it right i mean because the, there's the something more to it of- it's a harsh world and the 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 this situation that happens partly because he's crazy and angry but mm-hmm. mostly because like the reviewer says, he is able to do this. That's why he does. Right. That's a big reason why he it's does. Why it. he's and the and and he does that. The whole purpose is to raise awareness of for veterans who have have come back from the war. Right. And that that I remember. And this has been many years since I've seen this. But that's I I do remember that that yeah. that overriding and and maybe that's a credit to Tommy Lee Jones is he does. Everything that he does is in service to, in his, in that character's mind, is in service to trying to bring awareness. People pay attention. Wake up. Yeah, yeah, wake up. And that, that, that drives the thing and that makes it more than just the silly, mm -hmm. uh, low budget made in Canada, you know, TV movie. It's more than that, even though it's, it's also that. (laughs) <laughs> it's both. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's uh, let's jump ahead a little bit into uh, 80, 87. Well, I guess only a couple of years. Parker's mind was eighty five, and then yeah. eighty seven. Uh, another Vietnam film. Uh, this was Francis Ford Coppola's 
uh, coming home from Vietnam film, and that's Gardens of Stone. I I barely seen Gardens of Stone. I feel like I think I've seen it because I know what it's about, so I must have caught it at some point. But um, this wasn't a big hit. It's kind of weird. It was James Caan's return to acting after six years. Hmm. He did uh, Kiss Me Goodbye with Jeff Bridges, and he hated doing that movie so much. He just quit acting for, he thought, maybe forever. Um, So Coppola got him to come back from this. He plays a guy who comes home from the war, comes home from Vietnam in this case, and really, really wants to be assigned to be, uh, uh, is he a master sergeant? I can't remember. Think so. Uh, so you just uh, yeah, sergeant. Just sergeant. Well, he um, wants to be a training officer for the people who mm-hmm. are going to the war, but his feelings about the war are are realist and harsh, and his the, they don't really want him spreading the word about that in that context. So they they, right. uh, they give him his assignment to be a trainer, but they assign him to where they train the honor guard. What he calls in the movie, I believe, toy soldiers, basically. And he's he feels like he's being exiled there, but whatever. This is what he had. The army's what he has, so he goes along with it. Um, and by luck, a, a war buddy of his son is just joined the military and is there, played by uh, D.B. Sweeney? Yes. Uh, yes. D.B. Sweeney. Oh, by the way, which no, again, no offense to Ray, when you, after you've left us, but if you want to see the definitive Shoeless Joe Jackson on screen, it's played by DB Sweeney and Eight Men Out. Check that out. That's a great baseball film. Okay, yeah. and he gets it. He nails it. He really does, and he's sort of an underrated actor, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, DB Sweeney. So, so hey, at least he can prepare one kid. He can save one life. That's how he views it. Um, mm-hmm. If he's going to go to, if he's going to join the military, if he's going to go to war, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prepare him for it. And of course, what prepares you for Vietnam? I mean, if that's a harsh lesson that the movie's not exactly trying to, to prove, but it, 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 it's certainly, it's certainly something that we can all imagine. But the, this, and again, the story of this guy, he's not, he's certainly haunted by his Vietnam experience, and he, but he's not, he's not. Henry Winkler, who's trying to start a worm farm and just avoid dealing with it. And he's not uh, John Voight's character, who's very much going to... He's very much based on Ray Kovacs, who was famously played by uh, um, Tom Cruise in Born on the Fourth of July. You know, he's not going to go around spreading the word about how evil Vietnam is in the high schools and on, in the press. That's not That's not his game at all. He just wants... He just wants to better prepare people, and he's given this sort of opportunity to do that and to atone for the loss of this guy by taking his son under his wing. And it's an interesting movie that way. It's Coppola directs it really simply and modestly. But I admit I can't remember the nuances of it, and this was one that I don't have here, so I was not able to super sure. familiarize myself with it. Um, but I do remember good. I do remember. I do remember Sweeney and his. Uh, it's Catherine, whose place is uh, fiance, and she's a great actor from um, from. Uh, I Mary Elizabeth or Mary Stuart Masterson. Mary Stuart Masterson, thank you. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. great in it. She, she's Mary Stuart Masterson, so good. 
Yep. Man, was she a good actor. And yep. um and still is probably. I don't know. I don't yeah. see her very often, but yeah, I was just I, I just clicked on it to say, yeah, she's another one that just is working all the time. Uh yeah, I believe you know, it. She should be episode she's, here, episode there, doing tons of tons of different stuff. Really, so. really good. And she's great in that film. And she, I believe her her parents in that movie, they're barely in it, but they're played by her real life parents too, which is an interesting choice. There's a bunch of behind the scenes stuff that drama that went on with that film. Elias Coteus is in it. He's fantastic in it. Uh, this movie and Coppola's next movie, Tucker, a man in his dream. Elias Coteus is fantastic in both of them. Um, but so I'll just leave it there. Uh, yeah. If we were in a normal show or we were in a Coppola show, we would, there'd be a lot more to talk about, about this film, but yeah, that that's the, that's the theme. And it's a little different. I mean, that's a little different even than the rest of these where, you know what I mean? It, it's right. There's a, there's a different like motivation behind it that makes it its own unique thing. And gardens of stone. I mean, there's a poetic title for you. That's right. You know, it, um, it has that bit of poetry at, at its heart too. So I like that about it. Uh, so after, you know, so then we, so even um, though I couldn't speak, I still wanted to get it in there because I know that it's good. Like I remember, right. you know, it sticks with me that it's good, even though it is in sort of that vague, hazy, cloudy way. Sorry, right. Joel. Go ahead. No, so I was just going to say, uh, so we had, you know, it, like you said, we, you know, well, we had a period of time where, you know, you could still make Vietnam war films because the U S where wasn't really involved in any other, uh right. war conflicts and then desert storm comes the first iraq war right um, and the return and, of this themed sort of entertainment in its wake came yeah came, came roaring back yeah yeah so uh and um you know and and one of the big ones to come out of that was uh uh courage under fire mm. starring denzel washington and meg ryan desert um, storm yeah, Desert Storm, and because and you know and 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 a time when women were in combat now. Um, and yeah, Denzel plays a, a a tank commander who has been assigned um, to the, at the Department of Defense to vet um, the medals, the high medals that, that are coming out that are being awarded posthumously, in particular. So that's an interesting gig to have. It's an investigative job, but it requires quite a bit of sensitivity on his part, as you can mm -hmm. imagine. And and the big ringer of a case that he's been given is this woman played by Meg Ryan in the film, in flashback primarily, who was killed. Um, I can't remember the award that she's up for. Is it the Medal of Honor? I don't think it is. The, the, uh, well, yeah, it's yeah, she's up for the Medal of Honor. Yeah. She is okay. So. So, uh, so he's got to, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So he's got to decide if, if, if that's justified or not. So he has to investigate what happens to her. And in, in the investigation, he finds out way more than what he was expecting. Um, it's an interesting movie. I mean, Denzel on one hand is a guy who, who I won't spoil really what his desert storm experience was, but it, but he suffered some stuff and is still really, really struggling with that. He's sort of using this as an escape to get away from his family and to travel around and to not, because they can tell something is up with them. Um, 
he could be in trouble. He's drinking a lot. His boss has put him on this case as a way to help him. Like this is supposed to help him. Um, but he's teetering a little bit and the details that come out about this incident and the incidents fully explained to us in, in this flashbacks, but by told by all these firsthand accounts, um, lots of really good actors who were part of the platoon that, that, uh, you know, that act that out. Um, famously, I guess Lou Diamond Phillips, probably the flashiest of them in the film. He's great in it. Um, cause he's really sort of gone over the edge and a fantastic sort of introduction to the world turn by Matt Damon, by a shriveled up skeletal Matt Damon. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we're, we're too easy to reward people for doing that to themselves or for getting fat for roles and stuff. We've handed out awards and made careers on that. I think that's, I think we need to stop doing that. You know, I mean, at all times people are getting a little bit better at how they do that. But I, I feel like, I feel like when you see him in it, it can't be healthy what he did to himself to look the way he does in this film. It's still Matt Damon and he still has his little, it's still, the guy has got a sense of humor and is this sort of warm dude. And, but you could just tell he's, he's a changed guy because of the war. Right. And that made an impression on a lot of people. They thought, wow, if he's willing to go that far, then then he could be in my movie and whatever. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So he, right. he built a career on that. But the film is sensational. The, the incident in Desert Storm that happened is a sensational incident of which there's really no precedent for in real life. The, so the whole thing has this... It's directed by Edward Zick. It has this, even though it deals with all this stuff, which is great to do, it has a very slick Hollywood entertainment feel to it all, which which may, which after the fact makes it kind of, uh, I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as time goes on. Desert Storm's such a weird, we'll talk a little bit about that at the end if I don't completely run out of time stammering and stuttering about <laughs> these movies but right. um you know desert storm is an interesting it's an interesting one let's just say yeah um you know there is a movie about the about the invasion of grenada called heartbreak ridge it's right, I, I, yeah yeah which is you know grenada i mean <laughs> i don't no offense to the soldiers who nope. fought in grenada yep. but it but it's just you know that's we didn't have a lot of stuff and desert storm was a big deal but of course it, it Desert Storm wasn't a big deal relative to what we were still capable of. Right. Uh, Desert Storm, we'll talk about it, but it, it's interesting. Let's just say that. Yeah. And this film is interesting as a result. It really tries to bring a level of Vietnam uh, conspiracy and complexity that wasn't part of that. And that's weird. Um, and it makes it stand out a little like a sore thumb, but that's an entertaining movie, right? Denzel and Meg Ryan. Oh, and yeah. Mean, yeah. It's, it's not it was absolutely worthy of the blockbuster entertainment award that Lou Diamond Phillips won. Did he win the blockbuster film. entertainment award? He did. He, he, I mean, I, I'm not a huge Lou Diamond Phillips fan in particular, but man, he brings, I mean, he brings it in this film. He's yeah, uh, he does. He, he telegraphs, too much but it's okay i think that he does that to some degree because 
our hero, and we all know he's wrong as rain when we first meet him, and it's just a matter of getting it out of him. And when it comes out, holy Moses! So it, yeah. it you know, again in a in a Hollywood thriller murder mystery, if you will, it's a great performance. In a yeah. film t- that, that we're we're dealing with the subtleties and trickiness of postpartum distress and issues of friendly fire and you know women in the military maybe it could have been a a little more of a thoughtful piece but at at that time the fact that they were dealing with any of that is still kind of impressive right and it's it is an entertaining film it's it it pulls you along definitely without doubt so um let's uh, let's move on to in the valley of allah Mm. Um, another, our, our second Tommy Lee Jones, um, film. And this is, this is dealing, uh, this is uh post-war home front, uh, in a sort of a, the dude is missing after he comes home from his tour in Iraq. And, um, Tommy to, Lee Jones plays a former military police officer who, um, whose son has gone AWOL and he travels to where he's stationed the, with the home front place he's stationed. Mm-hmm. Uh, to investigate, and it's, I think we have to spoil at least the first big reveal of the film, which is that he's found in pieces spread out amongst this uh, sort of highway, this empty lot along this highway, and he's, uh, it has to be foul play because he's just been chopped into pieces, which is a horrific mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones teams up with the outcast uh, cop in town played by Charlie Charlie's there on to, to investigate and, and and find out anything good, you know, uh, yeah, right. this film was, this film was uh, written and directed by Paul Haggis, who was fresh off of crash, which won a bunch of Oscars. And this is Paul Haggis's best movie by a country mile. It's so, it's so incredibly human and harsh mm-hmm. and Tommy is so amazingly good at it. And Charlize is good in it. And, and what the kids of that generation were capable of handling in these anti-terrorism wars that they went to, I don't remember which war, if it's Afghanistan or Iraq, but to America, those were the same war. They just, they mm-hmm. weren't, but really to us, they were the same, which is why it's sometimes hard to keep track of in the movies. This isn't a film where we experience any of the war at all. We hear some recordings and we get a phone call from the war, but we, this really is the kind of ultimate home front film. And it really does have the, the driving energy of a murder mystery where the person investigating is, is loves the victim. And that's just a powerful, harsh, harsh, harsh thing to experience. Uh, Susan Sarandon plays the mother um, it's populated with all kinds of great actors. I want to say Jason Patrick's in this. I think he's really good in it yep. too. Um, yep, Jason Patrick. I think he's really, really good in it too. So, uh, beyond that, it's hard. I can't want to get into the details of it, but it, it's hard to imagine a film dealing with, with regret and the, the harsh realities of, of what a thing this is. You know, Susan Sarandon, and, and this doesn't really spoil anything, so this is okay, but she's on the phone when 
when he's giving her the news and she just blames him. You, he couldn't be the son you wanted unless he joined the military. And it's not what it was yeah. when, when you did it and you did this, you killed him. I mean, she just goes off on him and it's, and she's yeah. weeping and despondent. Susan Sarandon, obviously she's a plus plus. So, <laughs> But she's not in the movie a lot because she didn't come along on this trip. And when she wants to come, he doesn't let her because he doesn't want her knowing any of the details of what's going on here. And, but that scene and and his reaction to and his reaction to it's what you think a big strong man's reaction. I can't, I can't listen to this again. Here, no, 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 no. it's it's good. Sorry, I have you know I have to, I have to just I have something to do. I have a task to do. Thank God he has it because. Yeah, I just don't know what to say. That's such a good movie. In the Valley of Ella, see that, you know, yep. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not absolutely... a pleasant film at all. It it's such strong writing and such strong filmmaking, and you know, it, it's and there's nothing about mm-hmm. it. Haggis isn't some. He's a really really sharp writer, but he isn't some as a filmmaker. He isn't some flashy style over substance guy at all. Um, at the same time, he gets mood and he gets atmosphere and he gets the most out of his casts and just about everything he does. And, and it's just, it's a really, really strong movie. So in the Valley of Ella compared to Courage Under Fire, which it's very similar to the wars are different. The times are different. The, the, the things that happen to us are, are different. You know, it's just. It's just, I highly recommend it. Yep. Um, let's move on to Taking Chance. Ooh, I just watched um, that today. Yeah. Uh, Taking Chance, Kevin Bacon um, as uh, a, a military um, escort officer. He is there to escort the, the victims of war, uh, soldiers, uh, in, in, to escort them back home. Well, he actually... He he's that's not what he does. He's an officer, so he's not. Yeah. He doesn't. He is not an escort. He volunteers to be an escort because well, for a lot of different things. There's a lot of things going on with Kevin Bacon's character. He's he's a Desert Storm veteran who didn't re up to go to either of these new wars because he's got this young family that he wants to be around for basically, and mm-hmm. we get to know them not a lot because we're this is a travel log of a film, but we get to know them enough to understand where he's coming from. There, there's a great scene where Gordon Clapp, who is the pilot on one of the planes he travels on, just a com- just a commercial pilot, not a military pilot, but but a Vietnam veteran, is is he's like, well, he, he goes, uh, so were you were you over there? He's like, no. He goes, well, you probably got plenty of action during Desert Storm, didn't you? And he's like. Bacon's like, not really. <laughs> and Clap's like, hmm, yeah. I miss it sometimes, you know. It's, it's really awkward, great conversation. But he volunteers because this kid, he doesn't know him, but he's from his hometown where he grew right. up. And he kind of sees that, and he just feels a connection to this person that he doesn't even know. But And he kind of feels the responsibility of... of him being an officer in the home front during two wars that are ongoing in the U S military. And he's able to do that by choice because he has served his, his tour of duty. Um, and that's it. This is a war movie. This is a home front war movie that you can watch with your parents. This is a, it's a, like a, uh, 
it's serious, but it's a family movie. This was also made for HBO. Yeah. It's very, it's the best probably Memorial Day movie maybe that we have on this list because it's very, very reverent to the dead. It's about how they're treated. I had no idea any of the details of that. The film show the film very nicely, bravo to the director of this, shows the details of how the these bodies are taken care of en route without having Johnny explain everything to us every step of the way. It's a very, very subtle movie that way. A lot of silence and a lot of just letting the emotion and the responsibility of the thing sit. You know, he refuses to take his jacket. Other And everybody in it is nice, except one guy. There's a guy who's running the metal detector at the first airport he goes through wants him to send his stuff through and he's like, I can't send my bag through. And I, I, he's like, well, you take off your jacket. He's like, I, 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 he's on duty. He's, I cannot take off your jacket. The guy's like, sir, this jacket has a lot of metal on it. And we really, <laughs> and just mm-hmm. the way he says that with the metals, you know what I mean? You're just like, dude, ew. And he's like, <laughs> but every, oh, but it's weird yeah. because it like these other movies we've talked about, particularly the, the Vietnam ones, where these guys are just bombarded with awful, awful stuff. Everyone in this movie, everyone who sits next to them, the guys who work at the airports, the home, the people who live in the hometown, like the everybody, it is cool and super respectful. And I mean, I think that's how we are. And I think this is a time Memorial Day where we behave that way for good reason. So I believe we've evolved in that way. And yet still the loss of this kid and the circumstances of it, it's, and his connection to somebody that he never knew when he was alive is very, very real. And, you know, there, there's one scene where it's like, okay, the taxi's over there, sir, to take you to your hotel. And he's like, you know, actually, if you could just get me a chair, I don't really want to leave him alone for the night. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, again, the, the guy's like, well, I don't, I don't know if we're allowed to do that. He goes, well, I, I know it's late, but if, it... oh, he says, I don't know if we're allowed to do with that, but I'll check with my supervisor and Bacon's, I know it's late, but if you could, I, I would really appreciate it. And there's a lot of those exchanges in it. That's yeah. sad, but it's heartwarming too. And it, I would argue that it's a heartwarming movie, even though it's a quiet contemplative one. People yeah. come together to heal together and they take what's happening very, very seriously. And it's, it's, I was, I knew it was good because Taking Chance has a fantastic reputation these, whatever, 13, 15 years since it came out. Right. So I knew I was in for something good, but it was, it was very, very good, uh, modest film with where, where Bacon is just fantastic. Um, let's move on to, <laughs> to brothers. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about how people come together to heal <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, uh, well, brothers, there's some coming together to heal. Uh, well, there is little. though. There really uh, is. Yeah. The great yeah. thing about brothers is that, that there is, there is coming together to heal. Um, yeah. and Obviously, some there's a something that happens in Brothers where that gets that healing gets interrupted, it, it, I, and I won't even give a value judgment to, to to what it is that happens, but it changes everything. Um, Brothers is it's great. I had no idea. This is another film where I just this was the film I watched instead of watching the Oscars this year. 
Joel and I boycotted the Oscars, and we had no idea what we were getting into when we did that. Yep. We had no idea the Oscars were going to be what they were, but let's... Moving on from that, the movie I watched, I've had it sitting on my shelf for ages, was Brothers. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire play brothers in it. That's great. There you they go. They should play brothers in something. Well, it turns out they did, and little mm -hmm. did I know. Um... McGuire's plays a guy who's going off to war and Gyllenhaal plays his younger ne'er-do-well sort of dirtbag little brother. <laughs> um, and again, this is a spoiler alert, but same with Valiella. I don't know how we talk about this movie without at least spoiling this, but, but, um, Tobey Maguire is, um, listed as killed in action. And uh, you go through the whole thing. Who's placed the wife in that? Is it? Is it uh, his wife? Is it Natalie Portman? Natalie Portman. You're talking about, yeah, yeah. You're talking about yeah. I yeah. Yeah, it, the, the film's packed to the rafters with really cool people. It's directed by Jim oh, yeah. Sheridan, who made My Left Foot and In the Name of the Father. And this is not his kind of movie, but it's he's working. I think pretty great here, actually. Uh, Everything falls apart, and it, what's weird is that in in that Chris Cooper too is fantastic in it. He plays their father who loves uh, one son, and is it Chris Cooper? You mean no, Sam Shepard. Oh, Sam Shepard, even better. Mm -hmm. Chris plays a similar guy in a different movie. Sorry, we'll get to you, Chris. You're <laughs> awesome. No, but Chris even better, awesome. Sam yeah. Shepard, right? Yeah, Shepard's fantastic in it. Who plays uh, who plays the father in in Walk the Line? Ah, uh, give me a second here. I got to find out because it's the same father, basically. Walk the line. Uh, it was... Um, doo -doo -doo. Um, let's see. Robert Patrick. I think that's right. That's who it is. Yep, yep it's Robert Patrick. Wow, that's great. Great role for Robert. Okay, so... Uh, but basically, they it's it's not just I love my one son who did everything right. It's I don't like you, and it's not even I don't like you, my other son. It's I'm gonna poke you about every damn thing. I'm gonna start fights with you at every family gathering. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he does it, and it, it, it Patrick very much does this to Joaquin Phoenix and Walk the Line, where he just. He just keeps digging at him until the fight happens, and then it's it's the other guy who explodes, and then passive aggressive dad just sort of goes, oh, "What's your problem?" And that <laughs> that's <laughs> really what goes on in Brothers, and it's really really effective. I, I'm not sure why I was so affected by it, but there's just something about that family dynamic. You know the the you know the younger brother coming home and the little girls in the movie are so good i think those little girls in that film give the best little girl little like kid performances that i've seen in anything because they they they're just kids throughout the whole movie and then suddenly they're asked to sort of nail some really really heavy drama towards the back end of this film and my god do they pull it off you <laughs> know in, in, in what is attitudes that i think are difficult for kids to understand so the direction i think is awesome the patience had to have been there to capture it on film correct because the kind of resentment and the complex thing that one of these girls goes through is it's it, it's 
complicated psycho psychologically and it plays perfectly in the film. Uh, that's one of the things that sticks with me. But Gyllenhaal is able to make a, a new life with his family. He's able to basically, uh, more. he's adopted by them more than the other way around. But eventually, right. eventually he rises to the challenge of taking his brother's place. And that is a hard thing. That's riddled with guilt and weirdness and awkwardness. And it is a hard thing to portray on film. And I liked Brothers. It's, there's histrionics to it. If you know My Left yeah. Foot and you know In the Name of the Father, I mean, those are A-plus films. Those are really, really good movies. This isn't quite that, but it it nails that level of emotional frenzy in a very effective way Agreed. when it has to. And that's just that's just not an easy thing to do because it's these this topic is... It could be easy, you know. Just, oh... Right. Oh, the, you know, the brother, whatever, falls in love with his, you know, it's just, it's so much more than that, this movie. And I was very, yeah. very impressed with it because yeah. the studio sold it like a, like a scandalous love triangle, you know, which, right. you know, I, I'm sure if Coming Home came out today, they'd sell that the same way. It, it, <laughs> right. It's worthy of Coming Home's approach to that sort of idea. And I appreciated that. And it's yeah. very stylistically done. It's like really good looking film. Yeah. Um, the whole, um, the whole paint the kitchen thing and, you know. Right. And, you know, and in order to, you know, we talk about how this, you know, it's it, obviously Jake Gyllenhaal, Tony McGuire, Natalie Portman. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Sam Shepard, Mary Winningham. In order to pull, pull off to, to me, Natalie Portman, uh, you, in order to pull off that that you know this grieving just wrecked yeah. um woman who you know this isn't what it's not like she was like just you know like oh well you know i'm gonna move on to the brother or something like that there's i mean it, it, it takes no, an, no, no. A, a, it takes an actor of her quality to make sure that we get that nuance we get that pain in everything that is happening, even as she can't stop the emotions from, from happening um, uh, as she's acting on them. She also, there's an acknowledgement of, of the pain and, and the uh, of, of what, what, what it's, what it's, I want to say costing her, but I'm not sure that's the right, right word, but what, what it's taking for her to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously. Yeah. And he's not there for that reason. He, he needs to be someplace. This is his family and yeah. he becomes a, the best version of himself trying to take care of them afterwards. And that's yeah. extraordinary when he shows up on parole at their door. And what does the little girl say? My mom doesn't like you or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. I don't remember, but you know, kids mm -hmm. just like, who are you? Are you uncle? Whatever. My mom doesn't like you. Doesn't she like says you. you're this yeah. and this. And finally somebody rushes to the door. Okay. Hello. Welcome or whatever. <laughs> so, so they have a long journey together and it all, it, it's, there's depth to it. That's amazing. That's a really, really good movie. That's a really good movie that was sold as a scandalous, you know, and it's just, it's a shame because that was, that's a good one. I think. Um, 
Yep. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, these last two films. I have not. And seen if it sounds they're, weird they're when I talk you. about it, it's because my God, when you see it, you'll understand why I'm talking myself around in circles on that one. Yeah, that's a hard one to talk about without ruining yeah. all of it. And, um, we, and we didn't because we're awesome. Nope. That's yeah. That's why you listen to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. <laughs> um, but uh, let, these last two films I have not seen. Um, so, uh, but let's let's talk about thank you for your, thank you for your service and the last full measure. But let's do thank you for your service first. Thank you for your service is based on a novel written by a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. It takes an extremely harsh look. At uh, a bunch of soldiers coming back from, I Joel, I can't tell you if it's Iraq or Afghanistan for any of these movies. These later period movies Iraq. are all yeah. They keep all of these say Iraq. Okay, so it's Iraq. Mm. I mean, I, I just don't know. Um, okay, so this one's Iraq. So, thank you. Either way, it it uh, it's tough. This movie's another one where it's like, wow, what do you? It's about these guys who come back from the war and they're just ill-equipped to do it. And even and Miles Teller is stars in it. And even even he is... And Haley Bennett plays his wife. And they're both really, really great, fantastic in this film. But this film has a... I think there's something about Brothers where a good portion of it is about healing, like Joel said. He said it with a twinkle in his eye, which I think is appropriate. But it... but. But that is what the whole middle section of that film is about. It is about moving on, and it's about you know, the magic in these kids' eyes, and it's about the reconciliation between him and his, you know, sister-in-law, and about his like putting aside these sort of childish games he's been playing. He's even even him and his dad are getting along by the end of it. This movie is is just isn't that it we end in a place where we think that might be possible in this film that spoils the ending i suppose but this really is the breakdown and how how you ha, how these guys and the all these films really demonstrate this very well but none better than thank you for your service they have to go through it and it 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 you just want you just wish anything but that on them it's hard to explain but they have to go through it. They, nobody comes. Nobody is wise enough to just get the help they need right away. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to try and use their own coping mechanisms that they've developed their whole lives psychologically to deal with these things, and they have success largely when they do it. And you know, so they think that that's enough until it isn't, and then you do all the things. You feel guilty. You try and rationalize it away. You just things just get worse and worse and worse, and it's three different guys in this story, where, and the movie does a really good job too of not having the like uh, Courage Under Fire has the one haunting incident. This movie has, mm -hmm. this movie has that, and uh, the previous movie Brothers has that too, but it doesn't, it just doesn't make it that easy. The whole thing was a haunting incident. Like the whole thing was a series of compromises and problems and the, there's a darkness to all of it. What we ask these guys to do for what the movie doesn't get into that. But I mean, that's me sitting here as somebody who d didn't serve, couldn't probably, and just saying for what, what, for what in the case of Iraq, it's why, 
did we do this mm-hmm. to them? And to see it just played out the way it is. As a thank again, thank you for your service. None of these are the, especially these later period ones that really nail it. The the pedigree behind this film is very very high in terms of writing and research, and the commitment by the performers uh, in it, it to a nuanced portrayal of what it, a portrayal of what it is. Is stunning. I, Miles is one of the best, when given the right material, he's one of the best actors of his generation. And he's very, very interested. And they all kind of are in in getting this right. Right. And it's complex and complicated. And nobody feels like they're stampeding toward a happy ending or necessarily a, a necessarily tragic one. So it's it's ugly and messy and complicated, and I love that about it. It doesn't have the that structure that was the big selling point of Brothers, but it does have that the which I like about it because I don't remember its plot the way I do for that movie because the, yeah. because it's all a bunch of stuff that happens like stuff that happens to all of us. These guys specific that could only could have happened to them. But outstanding stuff. That's a really, really strong movie that I really, really wow. like. That's that's one of the in terms of really sh- giving you the post, you know, traumatic stress experience. It is the one that nails it. Where that's its mission is to put you in the shoes of people going through that, and all of the things that go along with it. That that's this movie. That this movie's that experience. It's it's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. Um, let's take a trip back to uh, to Vietnam with our final film, yeah. um, and that's uh, uh, the last full measure. Um, this is another another one of um, uh, a, a man being honored for his uh, actions on the battlefield. It's a tr- this tricky is movie. Many many years later, it's a tricky movie. It's it's based on a real person who did this real stuff, and who was given the Air Force Cross for um for valor which is a pretty big deal um it it was a it was a medic a helicopter medic during vietnam who the who was in was treating people in the back of this helicopter that they were airlifting out of this absolute bloodbath of a battle that took place there and the first guy that sent up in the that little cage that they put you in when they when you mm-hmm. go up the winch to the helicopter is the company's medic and without one most of these guys are going to die so he takes his place he he goes down on the winch and he starts treating people and and as a point of necessity f- fights with them and he saved a lot of lives that day. Everyone agrees with that. He was put up for the Medal of Honor, but he was only given the Air Force Cross. Now, it's still Air Force Cross is pretty amazing. He's, uh, it's pretty amazing. But, but these soldiers, these older guys, played by a handful of just the best actors ever. It was hard to watch to a certain degree because some of these guys. This movie's only three years old, and a bunch of these guys. As a matter of fact, all. But one in one of the scenes where I've all left us recently, William Hurt, right. Christopher Plummer, John Savage, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Ed Harris. Those are the main players that play these soldiers after the fact. 
it's hard to know who breaks your heart more in the movie. It's hard, really hard to pick one. Um, again, I watched this with my friend Jenny. We talked about her early in the show. She, we, her and I watch a lot of movies together. And she, we, we, the only flaw this film has is that she said it's slightly disney isn't it? And I said, it is. That's, although that's, I don't want you guys to take that the wrong way because it, the violence in it is not dumbed down. The language in it is certainly not dumbed down. It's an adult movie. It's rated R. But it does, what they did when they told the story is, when they told the movie was they kept this guy's real story in place. But these other soldiers that they created, are all of them are not real. They're all heavily fictionalized versions of the people who were there. And the reason they did that was because they had, they have an agenda with each character. They want to tell a kind of story, a kind of Vietnam story, a Vietnam vet story and an experience, both from the war and then their coping mechanisms after. And the only way to do that is to set aside the people in real life whose, whose stories were like, thank you for your service, were messier, harder to fictionalize in a clean way. And that's mm-hmm. actually, that's a clever way to do the movie because it carries us along in this fantastic way. Um, it, they can do more with that because they're liberated from the telling the biographies of all these real people. And all of the soldiers in this case were more than happy, and the states were more than happy to let that happen because they wanted the focus to be on this hero. And that's what they all had always wanted. It's why they spent 30, 40 years or whatever it was, 30 years, fighting for this guy to be given the Medal of Honor posthumously and have his medal upgraded because he, des- mm-hmm. because he deserved it, but because he meant something very specific to all of them. Um, it's a wonderful film. Sebastian Stan, again, in the Denzel Washington role from, from uh, Courage Under Fire, plays a, a non-soldier in this case who's just who's, works for the Department of Defense and is given this case, we find out for rather nefarious reasons later in the film, in a little conspiracy theory, conspiracy that the film has. Conspiracy of one, I guess. Right. Conspiracy of Bradley Whitford. Spoiler alert for the last film. <laughs> that part of the story is so unimportant that it that I feel like I can just go ahead and waste it. Bradley's very entertaining in it, but it it it's and his character, despite doing some goofy things, is given some redemption in it. So that's all good. That's the Disneyfied thing we're talking about. Um, it it the film earns the company's standing ovation at the end and it earns yours this really was a story of a real guy and i love it for that reason and i love uh ed uh amy madigan plays peter fonda's wife peter fonda i didn't even name him he's gone too mm-hmm. um and amy madigan and ed harris are a real life couple and they're in a lot of movies together so i got all ex- i'm always excited to see them even if they don't share any scenes together which they don't um Harris is outstanding. Harris had his letter that he was supposed to deliver to his boyfriend. He's a stranger to this guy, but he was given on the battlefield his letter, and he didn't deliver it because he couldn't. Um, again, that's not something that happened in this guy's real life, but it is something that happened many, 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 many times in Vietnam. So that's they're getting to tell that story, and that story is amazing. Um, yeah. Sam Shepard's story is amazing, how he got the coordinates wrong and basically blames himself for the entire incident dale die plays the commanding officer that day at headquarters who 
kind of boofed the whole thing up, made them walk into an ambush. Perhaps deliberately, we're not sure. Um, William Hurt played the guy who, when they asked for volunteers in the helicopter, bit his tongue hard and was terrified to go down there when his friend and comrade was more than willing to do it. Um, and has spent his whole life grappling with that. There's a scene, it's a little heavy handed, but there's a scene with Sebastian and William Hurt at the Vietnam Memorial in front of his friend's name, where he finally breaks down over the guilt of that. And, and Sebastian Stan's character is getting, starting to get it. And he sort of confronts him and drags this out of him. And Hurt is such a strong actor and, and, and Stan just quietly says to him when he breaks down, sort of falls to his knees and he sort of helps him up and says, let, let me carry it for a while. I have to say as a, again, as somebody who doesn't have that experience out of life, that's, that's the fantasy <laughs> for a non-soldier to help, to be there somehow yeah. for somebody. And I, I've obviously, I, I identified with him. So I found that, tremendously moving john savage never left vietnam he he created a garden out of the place where that battle happened and people make pilgrimages to spend time there it's a basically a butterfly garden and john savage because he wasn't he because he was the young kid and deer hunter now that you see him as an old player like he brings a little that vietnam baggage with him so that is a little disnified that was really well that was a really clever term, but it, it it's worth it. It's worth it because because these are all paths that you can travel freely when you're able to fictionalize a little bit, and yet you come out the other end tremendously moved and honoring a, a true hero. And I don't think you can find a better Memorial Day movie than Last Full Measure. <laughs> it should be out there and streaming services. I would think it's fairly recent. It's got a couple Marvel extended universe people in it. I mean, that what else do you need to, <laughs> right. s- to sell today, right? It is available on FX now. If you uh, yeah. are a subscriber to FX now, that's too bad. I was hoping so, something yeah. a little less uh, sense of anarchy ish. Um, you know, Hollywood, Vietnam's fun because Hollywood did right by that sure um we didn't i think as a country i think those guys really did suffer a lot of alienation stuff i got to uh the first vietnam memorial ever in america was not in washington dc it was in missoula montana and when i spent time out in missoula there were a lot of guys several of them homeless but a lot of just vietnam veterans who flocked there for that reason and and I got to know a bunch of them, um, at least a little, which was, which was a, not something that I was expecting to happen. Very, my very first day in Missoula, there was a vet, and he came up to me and said, "Hey, man, can I have a, can I have like three dollars and fifty cents so I can buy a slice of pizza for my dog?" <laughs> How do you say no to that? Yeah, I mean, I thought he, I thought he, no offense to old guys living on the street in Minneapolis, but I thought he was full of shit because that's just the kind they would say the craziest things to you around here. And you'd be like, okay, whatever. If I had, if I ever had money, I would give it away. And so I gave this guy five bucks and 
went in to get whatever I was getting in. And when I came out, sure enough, there's this black mutt looking dog with a red bandana on eating a slice of pizza off a little cardboard pizza thing. And he's hanging mm-hmm. out there and his friends are all hanging out and they got motorcycles and stuff. Um, so ah, that's a crazy long anecdote. I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> what, what I was saying about Vietnam and Hollywood platoon and even deer hunter, which I have all kinds of problems with. They've come up on the show before it, you know, they are, they're, they're trying to give you a horror and heroism and the, and to demonstrate the pain to you of what that was, what Vietnam was, you know, and I'll go back to that question I asked a little while ago for what, what was Vietnam for? Vietnam was a war of, I, I, of ideology and economics Mm-hmm. when we say the people of Vietnam were fighting for our freedom, I feel that's disingenuous. I can't bring myself to say that. I don't mean to get all political on a movie show. That is a sort of a political thing to say. I recognize that, but just let's just look at what Vietnam was. What were we doing there? Why were we there? And, and worse, because I, I think there are real ideological reasons for being there and ideology is a reason we fight wars throughout history that I can sort of relate to and at least understand, even if I don't agree with it, but the economics that kept Vietnam going, the, all the companies back home that were built by building all those things that were sent over someplace where we had no real vested interest in what was happening that were exploded that, that had very, very high profit margins and very, very big government contracts. And those were the people, they were the last people who, who didn't want to see the Vietnam war end. And all kinds of awful things happened in our history because of that. And that's, I can't stress enough that that doesn't take anything away whatsoever on this Memorial Day weekend from the people who fought and died there. Right. For that, for each other, for their own ideals, for their own sense of bravery, but really for each other more than anything. Because I I really don't think, and I don't think you should think that it was for our freedom. I think it's hard to learn the lessons of things that we do wrong as a nation or even as individuals if you don't if you if you if that level of rationalization is what you're willing to to put up with just to be polite to these soldiers. I don't think there's many Vietnam soldiers who thought they were over there fighting for your freedom either. Right. I just I don't think so. I don't know what the kids today think. But I hate to say it, they weren't fighting for your freedom either. They weren't. Afghanistan is a really difficult war to justify. Iraq is an illegal war that people should go to prison for starting. That war was started on a lie, both of which were meant to make people rich. That was the main thing that they did. That was the main economic benefit was pro-business and pro-privatization of the military. That's what happened over there. And if people died, those kids died fighting for a cause to bring democracy to the Middle East? Yeah, that's what they were trying to do. Did it happen in Afghanistan? No. It effing didn't happen in Afghanistan, period. We just right. saw that. Afghanistan's worse off than when we got there. Right. Because our priorities were to keep blowing stuff up, to keep building things, to be giving out government contracts to people who make campaign donations or who have places on the board of these giant companies who build all these massive infrastructure projects at a time when we really need infrastructure projects done here in America. 
we were doing them over there. And most mm -hmm. of that stuff got blown up again anyway. Iraq, Iraq was the illegal war. I just said it. I'm on the record now. But, I, you know, Iraq is more complicated because Iraq's situation on the ground when we went there was more complicated. There's a shot that we actually did some good in Iraq. And I, I, I don't, I hate it, but I, but I, 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 at least give me credit for being nuanced enough to say Iraq may be better than where we found it. That's something. Yeah. But, but it wasn't for our freedom. Mm-hmm. They didn't fight right. for our freedom. Right. They didn't die for our freedom. And that's shameful. And we should feel that shame. That's my Memorial Day statement. That's sort of a dark one. You know, uh, I just believed when I was a kid because I was raised, because I'm a naive kid who doesn't have a call to service within me. So I'm to take well, everything I have up, with a grain of salt. Yeah, we grew, we grew up, up at a time where yeah. it was not. I mean, it was not. In in fact, I mean, being the 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 children of of people who grew up during the Vietnam era, there was say there was a please, like don't you aren't I I will not let you yeah. uh, enlist. Um, and to get back and, to the show, Joel, the art, the movies, the stories taught us the lesson of what yeah. Vietnam was and why we shouldn't re-engage in that. And and I said I would talk about Desert Storm for a second. Desert Storm demonstrated that we'd learned the lesson. I remember my all my super liberal friends. I'm only mostly super liberal. I guess now I'm... You guys can tell from this little speechifying. Yeah. But, um, but at the time, I thought they were silly. They were protesting that war, you know. I got into a big fight with your mother-in-law over this, in fact, because I, yeah. I was cynical about it. I was like, I don't know. I mean, they're invading another country. You, gotta, you, can't, just, you can't just hang back and see what happens. you got to do something about that. And she's like, well, they're only doing it for the oil. And I go, well, either way, do something about it. You know, I get that. And 79 lives were lost in that war. Uh, Desert Storm cost less than the Hubble Space Telescope cost. We got in, we stopped the invasion, we protected our oil interests. Okay, I'm, I, mm -hmm. you were right about that. I'm not arguing with that. I maybe did a little at the time, but I'm not now. That's clearly a big part of it, if not the biggest part of it. But we got in, we got out, we showed that we're not going to be some weird occupying army spending gajillions of dollars just to get old white people rich while young... Uh, much more diverse people die, you know? Right. So I, that's, I just, I really do honor those people and I honor the stories about them so, so much. And, and I'm so full of shame when I think about the people that are in the ground for reasons that we weren't, we, we we didn't ask the right questions and didn't do the right things. And then even when we had the power, it didn't, didn't stop some of the horrors from happening. It right. frustrates me and makes me sad. And, and, and when I, I just always want to keep that in mind before you decide to go send somebody to die for your freedom and make sure that's what they're doing. Vet it out a little bit better. You know? Yep. yep. And that doesn't take anything away from those who laid down their lives for us, under our, fought under our flag. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we asked them to, and, and 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 most importantly, for the people that they fought alongside.
You're right. But. Yeah, whatever the reasons uh, an individual might have to enlist, and we are a volunteer army. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was part of what made Vietnam unique too. Is is that there were a lot of people that were drafted into were it. drafted, um, whether they wanted to be a part of it or not. Um, but yeah, none none of that should take away from the fact that yeah, the fact that there were some who. Uh, in the name of this country, gave their lives, and um, that that is worthy of our respect and our honor. Um, no question. And, uh, and yeah, and and you know, and we should be making, we should be doing whatever the hell we can to make sure that we don't have to uh, continue to. Uh, have more and more and more names that we need to honor and remember. And we need to Um, take some of that massive military budget and support these people better when they come home. It's also the shame of our nation that we, we really don't do that anywhere near to the degree that we should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So, (laughs) <laughs> not the most uh it, like enthusiastic gregarious uh ending to the show but um it's a memorial day show uh and again uh like ryan positive or you know as ryan mentioned at the beginning of the show some of these movies are a little bit more in a veterans day sort of vein where yeah. we are looking at um men and uh, in this case men who have returned home from war and the effects of war but there is also uh like um um taking chances uh, and and some some of these movies um where we are uh, um, honoring the fallen uh, honoring those who gave of their lives uh and 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 all of these movies i think are, are are worth your time if you're looking for a way to um to get into that mindset of remembering and honoring um, you could do worse than spending a couple hours with any of these films. Um, so, uh, you know, so we hope that we, you know, uh, hope except that we piqued your mine. interest, except the park is mine, mm-hmm. you know, go ahead. And, you know, we, we threw, you know, mm. <laughs> that one, I, sorry. Yep. I don't mean to make a joke on your interview. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, no, living glad... these stories that that's what the, that's why we do the show. That's what the movies give us. You you yep. get to live life in these people's shoes. It's it's the actors have to do that exercise and then they pay it back through the screen to us where we have to again do that same exercise. There's no yep. you know what I mean? There's no shared responsibility on the viewer's part like it is when you're reading a book even. But right you get to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and all of these stories, even the park is mine actually deliver on that to a large degree in a way that, like I said, we're not, we're never going to experience that, not trauma like that, not like that. And I think that the, the trauma part of it, the, the, the horror of war part of it is something we should continue to experience in as sort of, um, authentic way as we can through our stories. So that's what the show yeah. is about. Yeah. 
All right. So please uh, feel free to uh, reach out to us at the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook at ask Joel and Ryan on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can email us ask Joel and Ryan at gmail.com. And of course, if you're watching the video feed of this on YouTube, you should feel free to like, and subscribe and, um, and send us a message there if you want. Um, all right. So that is going to do it for Unless this Unless you're week. really mad at us for the end of the show here, then just, Send those messages elsewhere. That'd be cool. Indeed. Bye, everyone. Bye, you guys. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now... Here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.